Hi, you're listening to the Road to a Billion podcast. I'm your host, Stefan Georgi. Since 2011, I've sold over $700 million worth of products for both clients and my own companies. I've also founded or co-founded eight different businesses that have grossed between seven to nine figures in revenue. Today, I focus a lot of my time on teaching, training, and mentoring the next generation of freelancers and entrepreneurs. And that's why I created The Road to a Billion, a call-in radio show style podcast where I answer people's questions on mindset, business ownership, scaling funnels, copywriting, and more. If you want to submit a question, then check out the show notes to learn how, or visit me at stephanpaulgeorgi.com forward slash subscribe to opt into my email list. And every week, you'll get a link to join the live call-in show. And with that being said, let's go ahead and get started. Hey, you're listening to the Road to a Billion podcast. I'm your host, Stefan Georgia. I'm glad to have you with me here today. The Road to a Billion is a call and radio show style podcast where you can ask me questions about freelancing, copywriting, entrepreneurship, mindset, scaling funnels, relationships, money, and more. The reason for the name, The Road to a Billion, is twofold. Uh, I've reached about a billion dollars in sales for myself and for my clients, and my goal is to make an impact in the lives of a billion people over the next 10 years. Uh, I'm going to answer some questions on today's show. It may be a short episode. I have a guest lined up, but he's not on right now, and so I'm not sure if the guest is coming or not, but we'll make lemons out of lemonade, and if the guest does not arrive, I will just ask, uh, answer people's questions and uh, help them out, and if the guest does arrive, then we'll talk with our guests for a bit. So, you know, that's what we're going to do. Uh, for those on Facebook Live as well, I see five people. It's glad to, to see you all here. Um, so let me let me update kind of where about my life for a few minutes, and then um, I'm happy to answer questions we got about whatever. We'll make it like an open episode. Um, so it's funny. Like I had the post on Facebook today about like censorship and being sort of censored and fear of being deplatformed and things like that. And I've also been kind of dabbling with crypto more, as some of you know, uh, from the previous episode with Maria. And um, but one of the things I've wanted to do really badly is to write a book about uh, freedom, which is something that I'm starting to work on. I've actually outlined several of the chapters. And um, I think the stuff of like, even with like feeling like uh, a risk of, of, of censorship and freedom of speech on Facebook um, kind of further motivates me to want to write this book. Um, so essentially, like, here's what the book's going to be about. And I'm just sharing because why not, right? Um, the thesis is essentially this. When, when you talk to entrepreneurs and freelancers and most people uh, and you ask about, like, you know, what one of their highest like values is what, you know, why did they get into freelancing? Why did they try, you know, get into business? Um, it's very generally like, um, because they want, they're like freedom. I want to be free. And you're like, oh, okay, cool. Like what does freedom mean to you? And nobody can give a really good definition. It's, it's stuff like, it's like, oh, freedom means, uh, not having a boss or only working when I want to, or working on my terms or not being, stuck in a location or, you know, a million other things. And those are all perhaps uh, attributes of this idea of freedom, but they probably aren't actually freedom, you know, in, in a really classic sense, right? And so there's a problem, which is that so many of us are trying to uh, attain freedom. We say it's one of our highest values, but we can't actually define it. So we can't define freedom. So we're, we're working towards something we can't even define, which is problematic, right? Um, cause if you don't know what it is, how are you ever going to get there? 
Um, so that's, that's a core issue at the heart of a lot of freelancers, entrepreneurs, and just people of the 21st century is we, we say we want freedom. We don't know what freedom actually is or what it means. Right. Um, so part of it is like, how do we define freedom? And I'll get to that in a second. The other part of it though, is even what you essentially find is that freedom is not a physical thing. Right. So, because here's the deal. So say like, I want freedom, but, but it's like saying I, um, like I'm going to go, so, so like, you know, I'm, I want to get towards freedom, but you don't have a map and you don't have directions, right? You don't know how to get there. So for example, if you're like, I want to go to some random restaurant in Atlanta, never been there. And you just get in your car and you don't live in Atlanta. Right. Um, so you live where I do in Las Vegas or, you know, you live in New York, California, it doesn't matter. Right. You get in your car with no GPS, no phone, no map. And you're like, I'm going to go to this restaurant in Atlanta. Are you going to find that restaurant? in Atlanta, right? Just getting in your car. Maybe, possibly, uh, also very likely you won't, right? Sitting in a restaurant in Manhattan. You have no idea what the address is, anything else, just get in your car, start driving. You'll pick your, your city. Um, so like you need a map to get there. And it's the same thing for getting to attaining freedom in your life. But where the analogy falls apart is while the, the restaurant is a physical thing, right? Freedom is not, it's a concept, it's an ideal. Um, there's no, there's no, I can't just point to something and say that's freedom, right? Um, and so given that, like, what does that mean? Well, it basically means we're never gonna probably attain true freedom because we don't, even if we can define it, we don't, like, we don't know what freedom is and it's not like a physical thing, right? We're never gonna define it, but does that mean it's not worth pursuing it? Can we not at least get closer and closer in proximity to freedom, right? And so if we're doing that, what does that really mean? It means that the goal for us is not to attain ultimate freedom as much as it is to, to practice freedom. It's looking at freedom as a, as a process, as something that we practice uh, versus like an outcome or an end state, right? Like, so how do we do that? Like it comes down to action and choices. And, and specifically it comes down to conscious decisions that are non-coerced, right? So for example, if somebody, anytime somebody is forcing me to make a decision, I am going to, that's, that, that's antithetical to freedom, right? Like I'm being coerced into making a decision. Now that could be a decision about, uh, you know, like I have to go to work, right? I, I, like I don't have another option, I don't think. So I have to go to work and, um, you know, I have to do these things at work because if I quit, I'll lose my job. And, you know, the economic downside would be so bad that like I am being coerced. So I have to make this decision because the upside of not making it is limited. The downside's huge. That's the coercion side of it. Right. And we want to move away from that towards decisions that are non-coerced, but we're never going to not be like have a life that's free of coercion. Uh, any parent can tell you that, right. I can't like, I get coerced to feed my daughter or take the dog out or do it. I don't, I guess I don't, I don't have to do it. Um, but you know, the downside of not taking action is way greater than the upside, right? The downside of my daughter starving is a, a horrible downside, right? So there's coercion, but that's okay. It's okay. That, that's an okay coercion. Like it's never going to go away, but how do we make, create an environment for ourselves where we're able to make an increasing amount of our decisions and choices free from coercion. So look at our health, wealth and relationships, right? you know, in your health right now, you can eat whatever you want. You're young and healthy. 
you can eat whatever you want. You can eat a bunch of Big Macs and shitty processed fast food and whatever, your prerogative. Cool. But by doing that today, you're increasing the probability of coercion down the road because you're gonna be coerced into taking medications or more doctor's visits or having to work out more or having to sacrifice and eat a really strict diet or whatever it is. So even though you're like, you can make the choice not to eat healthy today and it's like a free choice, it's not really something that gets us closer towards freedom, it gets us closer towards coercion. And therefore having a really unhealthy shitty diet is not a good idea, not a good choice, doesn't lead us towards freedom, right? Um, versus if we were to eat a healthy diet now, it's something that we choose to do that. We don't have to, but we choose to do it today. That can help us to not be coerced down the road. Same thing with work, right? With a job. If you're able to um, get, you know, become a freelancer and you know, start making enough money, like, well, you're still coerced. You have clients, you have things like that. Maybe you have to become a business owner, but really you have to become wealthy enough to have like passive income that then you aren't coerced. You don't have to do anything. You, you choose to work, but you don't have to do it. Um, relationships, same thing, like toxic relationships. You know, if you're in a relationship where you have to do certain things that are, you know, then detrimental, that they're toxic or they're hurtful, you know, if there's a coercion aspect there, how do we get ourselves out of those relationships and into ones where we're still doing things for the other person, but we're doing it out of our own volition versus coercion more often. Uh, and the whole big thing there is an asymmetrical component of, again, ideally when you, you know, don't do something, there's very limited downside, but when you do it, it's at least neutral. And ideally there's even a really big upside to it. So that's the asymmetry. So is that making sense? Essentially freedom is a process. We practice freedom. It is a process leading us towards, um, you know, a greater state of autonomy and um, away from coercion. If you have coercion here, freedom here, you're in the middle. We're trying to move more and more this way. We're never going to get to freedom, but we can have uh, an increased proximity. And by looking at it that way, you can then create um, a lot of ways to kind of govern your life, whether it's going back to crypto, because crypto potentially, depending on the coin, could uh, remove you from governmental coercion, like economically, right? Um, now, again, depending on the coin, there's arguments that Bitcoin could be shut down by China, the US, all that kind of stuff. Um, so I'm not saying that's perfect, but that's why crypto is worth looking at. Um, you know, decentralized, like even like to me, the Facebook stuff, going back to that and the censorship, I'm like, all right, well, this is a platform that you know, seems to be more and more coercive because it, it is limiting my freedom of speech, from my opinion, right, um, unreasonably. And so it's coercing me into having to censor myself in order to stay on the platform. So that's where I'm like, fuck Facebook, right? Uh, I know I'm on Facebook Live right now. But overall, you're like, okay, I'm going to get do less and less stuff on Facebook. Um, it can govern a lot of your, like, decision making. So that's kind of where I'm at. I haven't written out quite elegantly, uh, to be honest, and I've outlined a lot of the chapters. So basically it's, it's like, you know, uh, staying the problem, defining freedom, uh, you know, talking about it as a, as a process and not an outcome, and then looking at the different areas of life, primarily health, wealth, and relationships, and how can we practice freedom in those areas and, and increase our autonomy and move away from coercion, and whether that's through, you know, uh, you know freelancing, and then even within freelancing, not being where you have to like work with clients you don't want to work. How do you gain autonomy and ultimately get towards passive income? Um, you know, for relationships is like, how do you get to like a healthy relationship and, and healthy relationships? Um, and you know, with your health, how do you like stay healthy? So it kind of covers the fundamental stuff, but I think it's a cool framework and it's something that could potentially be valuable to people. So, um, yeah.
I don't know. I'm gonna do a good Facebook live comments, which I had 18 people on. So thanks 18 people for watching me rock that stuff. That's cool. Um, and then the other interesting thing that I might do tied to this, there's a couple of things, right? I'm going to mess with BitClout more. Um, for example, I, uh, have my profit fix formula ecom course. Honestly, I'm probably going to experiment and basically say, Hey, anyone who buys $10 of my coin and BitClout can have the course. That's the only way you can get it to start. And maybe several hundred people will do that and it's cool. And then people get on the platform and they like it, or maybe nobody buys it and no big deal, right? Asymmetrical upside because I'm in a good place financially. I don't care. I can sell the course product fix formula to my list in Facebook, create some upsells, have about a hundred dollar AOV, uh, probably sell, you know, a thousand copies, 1200 copies in the first couple of weeks, make a hundred thousand, hundred twenty thousand dollars which would be great. Awesome money. I can still use the money. Don't get me wrong, but I don't need the money. And so rather than do that, I'm like, yeah, let me experiment, right? I'm gonna try doing on this to get people on this, this platform that I think is interesting. And so my upside of if a bunch of people do buy $10 of my creator coin on BitCloud, um, and then my coin values, and I get noticed by more people on the platform, and then other people on the platform buy my coin, which further increases it. And then the platform becomes like more mainstream and a lot of mass people come in and mass adoption happens. Massive upside. Like I'm way ahead of people. My coin's high. I've got lots of followers. I'm like, you know, pioneering on the platform. Downside is nobody buys my, you know, thing. And they're just like, all right. And then whatever, and maybe in a couple of months, they decide to release it uh, through a traditional funnel, right? Asymmetry, massive upside, no downside, really. Um, so I'm gonna mess with that more. And then I'm really thinking about, and I don't know if I'm gonna do this or not because I don't wanna overextend myself, but even creating a, um, an e-com type of supplement company that really the supplements are just a sneaky tripwire to create an experience company. That's all about um, basically target towards millennials and I guess a little bit of Gen Z that is all about creating experiences. And um, like, so basically if you have the supplement, then like we ran out of castle in Ireland, right? Your customer, you're on continuity subscription. We're like, hey, we ran out of castle in Ireland, available to the first thousand people who are our subscribers to the supplement, come to the castle. We're gonna have like, I don't know, like Bono there. And like, we're gonna have, um, you know, like this like crazy archeologist and we'll have like whatever different intellectuals. We'll basically create these crazy events um, that are all around like experiences and, uh, but they're only available to people who, who have the supplement. And then within that, that realm, if it's all about experiences then you're like, well, Hey, how do you give your, put yourself in the position, my millennial friends to have those experiences? Well, um, turns out by having more freedom in your lives, right? Economic freedom, especially, uh, but also from relationships and other things like that. So funnily enough, you can start to actually like, I can sell the book that I'm going to write through the supplement company. I can, um, you know, sell stuff about how to become a freelancer, how to make money online, like biz stuff without being biz but I can basically create all the shit I want to do anyway. I could do that while building a company that potentially has, you know, like massive value if you get a ton of subscribers and then you're also no experiencing. So, um, I don't know. This is shit I'm working on and thinking about, and I wanted to share all of that. And, um, that's about, that's about it on um, what I got going on. But yeah, I'm pretty into that, that supplement idea. Cause again, there's the experience economy, millennials value experiences over anything else. Um, you know, the supplements would be stuff like, um, you know, just like mood, like sleep, go for like energy, right? Like, like focus, whatever, well, maybe sexier, funner names, but like, they're not going to be like a, you know, magical diabetes cure or any, you know, any bullshit stuff like that. It's going to be really good ingredients that like I love that I've researched that I have a team look at. 
I'll get like a bunch of doctors and experts, like an expert advisory board of like, you know, kind of like sexy millennial hipster doctors, but who are like also went to like John Hopkins or whatever it is, right? Um, you know, we'll have tons of like user generated content. And then you can have all kinds of events, whether they're like parties or cruises or like, you know, going and, and like intellectual TED talk type stuff. Um, just create all kinds of events for the community and make it so that really your subscription with the supplement, like again, high quality supplement, you love it, you take it, you notice the difference, but your subscription is almost like your membership to the community, which then enables you to have access to all these crazy events. And that's something I love doing. That's the thing that's funny is like, I love events. I love putting on events. I love creating experiences. I love supplements and I take them and I sell, I'm great at selling them. Right. Um, and it's all about a lifestyle that then encompasses freedom, which is really important to me. So what's funny is as I've been sort of in a holding pattern of sorts, uh, for the last month or two and kind of like that can be frustrating, but it's fun to see these different pieces, like start to click together. Um, and to be like, man, like, you know, Oh, a couple of these seemingly disparate ideas could actually all be part of something really big and very meaningful and very impactful to impacting the lives of a billion people in addition to the road to a billion. So yeah, that's what's up. I mean, I feel like sharing this stuff uh, is probably on some hand, like not a great idea. Hopefully nobody rips me off. Um, but yeah, uh, I guess I'll have some proof that I had, I shared the idea first. Um, and with that being said, since Zach is not on, let's just uh, go to the Q and A's, which really are just from Max Rhea. So Max, uh, I'll, I'll bring you on and you can ask your questions and we'll chat. If anyone else wants to ask a question, we'll do that. And then from there, if people don't, uh, it'll be a short episode and I'll just get back to writing a book about freedom and doing some other stuff. So what's up, Max? How you doing? Nice. I'm here to substitute Zach. <laughs> <laughs> you doing good? Yeah, yeah. I'm glad to be here another day. So I got to bake questions that, that I've had on my mind these last months and they just came to my mind here. So one of them, which I consider most important and most applicable to the people that are going to hear this is the topic on how much work and hard work is enough, right? I heard a podcast uh, from Joel Marion. He talked about this. Uh, in the balance between your life and business and everything. But I hear a lot from people that are, for example, not as successful as you or people that are on their way, right? Um, they always say, oh, but you can only work less and allow yourself to mm, not work 14 hours a day if, unless you're as successful as Stefan and you already have the systems and the money and the, the people, you know? So what's your take on that? Yeah, I mean, I think that there's a, a, a very clear reason for the long adage or, or, or long time adage of um, working smarter and not harder. I think that generally there's exceptions to everything, but generally people who are working uh, 14, 15 hours a day are probably extremely inefficient and ineffective and, and, and using that as a substitute for, um, you know, a lot of other things that they should be doing in their life as far as like development and growth go. Um, I think generally there's a point of diminishing returns after six or seven hours, eight hours at most. 
Um, I think that a lot of our time is spent sitting in front of a computer telling ourselves we're working when we're not actually working. We're on social media. We're doing a bunch of shit that we shouldn't do. As a copywriter specifically, I think you cannot write for 10 hours straight. I think you can barely write for five hours straight, maybe in your 20s. In my 20s, there's a few times where I wrote like a whole letter in a day, right? And basically wrote for like seven or eight hours. Um, I can't do that now in my 30s probably, but even then it was difficult and probably you know, generally not the most effective approach. Um, and, but, and I think if you wanna do that, maybe it is, but, but even then you're, I think it's about the, the sprint versus the marathon, because ultimately it's a marathon, right? So you may have periods where you sprint and you work really hard for a couple of weeks, but then you're gonna find that you need downtime too. Um, and I've actually been talking about this with our Copy Accelerator members lately on these talks we've been doing as we've been like on tour, is the paradoxical nature of downtime, which I've brought up before, which is essentially that um, paradoxically, in order to be at your most productive, you need frequent periods of time where you're completely unproductive. Uh, otherwise, you get burned out. And that happens to like everybody. Uh, and then think about, I've talked about in my, to my email list, uh, diffuse mode thinking versus focus mode thinking. And focus mode thinking is hard concentration, trying to solve a specific problem while diffuse mode thinking is where your brain's sort of like turned off and you're just out, like you're in the shower or you're at the beach or you're taking a walk or whatever. And basically uh, the focus mode thinking engages the one part of your brain only, like your prefrontal, uh, you know, neocortex, I believe it is. Um, while diffuse mode thinking actually engages all these different parts of your brain. And they're both equally important. You need to have the time for focus thinking but you generally aren't gonna, if, if you're just concentrating on this one area of your brain, um, you don't make deeper connections. You don't, you don't kind of draw from different experiences. And so, but the only way you really get diffuse mode thinking is by taking a break. Um, and so that's why most of your breakthroughs and big ideas don't come when you've been sitting in front of the computer for five hours. They come when you're out in your backyard or you're walking or you're at dinner with friends or you're you know, doing one of a million other things. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I don't, you know, I think, Lots of people don't agree with this, but to me, I think the idea that you have to work uh, 14, 15 hours a day, even 12 hours a day, um, most of the time is bullshit. Again, sure there's exceptions, uh, but very few. That's my, that's my take on it. Sure, I love it. And the other question was, um, you hear a lot about free work, right? And doing free work. I, I heard, uh, if I don't remember wrong, you were with Saba and other copywriters in another show, and you were talking that you were doing this service for e-commerce. Mm -hmm. Am I wrong? No. And your idea was, so in order to get some case studies, some credibility, and start getting a consistent flow of clients, uh, your idea was to do the, um, the whole service for free, right? To get mm -hmm. those uh, the testimonials, a case study and then apply it and leverage it to get more clients. So the thing is, for other copywriters that are hearing this, whether they're beginner, intermediate, or advanced, what would be your take? Let's say they want to get to work with bigger companies, right? Let's say uh, Biotrust or even not, not so big companies, right? Would you consider doing some free quality samples for them would do the work of establishing yourself as an authority and demonstrating that you can provide the results? Or do you think that doing instead 
let's say a period of free work with them would instead position you as not so good in your work because you're not charging for it. Am I explaining myself? Yeah, I think you are. Um, I mean, I think ideally, like the hierarchy is like this, like ideally get paid for the work, right? If you're having trouble getting paid for the work, then we go to like the, the more for free route. Um, I think that, you know, within there, so if you're like, hey, I'm gonna work for you for free for like a month. Um, I mean, I generally don't, the, the reason I'd rather have given, do the, the, the approach where you create some copy and samples for them, or maybe you do one project for free um, is because, but I, I mean, ideally I'd like prefer that you reach out to them having already done some kind of creatives for them as, as, as samples, right? That are relevant to them um, and added value because then they can visualize working with you. If somebody says to me like, hey, I wanna work for you for free, I, that's actually not that exciting to me because I'm like, well, I don't know if you're any good or not. I have to answer your questions. I have to manage you. I have to mentor you or, you know, I have to put some on my team to do it. Like you're going to take resources from me, whether it's my, my mental resources or financial resources or something else, like you're going to extract resources and I have no guarantee that, you know, you're really good. Now, if you gave a company like a, like a BioTrust, some of your samples and like, Hey, these are really good. Um, you know, we're not sure if we're hiring right now or not, like, but maybe, you know, circle back with us later. And they are like, Hey, look, I really want to work with you guys. How about this? If you do need copy now, because I'll work for you guys, you know, for free, you, you like my samples, I'll work for you for free for the next month. Um, you know, and if you, after that, if you like me, I'd love to, you know, I want to stay on like a paid position. If not, that's the risk on me. I mean, you could try a month feels like a long time. It kind of sketches me out. Um, maybe a couple of weeks. I don't know. I, I can see that working and there's a value to it. Um, and you know, you can then be like, oh yeah, I, you know, was, uh, working in house or biotrust for the last month. Right. And then it's like, oh, that increases your credibility. Um, so you could leverage that to have an easier time getting jobs in the future. Um, mm -hmm. you know, if you do a good job and then you get like Joel marrying to be like, Hey, um, you know, even though before, like, Hey, we liked your copy. Like we just don't like, okay, can you, no problem. Can you just give me like a, like a testimony or something, or, you know, maybe a shout out and you get testimony from Joel Marion being like, Max was a really good copywriter and we loved his emails. He was great. Um, you know, whatever that's like pretty powerful, right? And that's worth a lot of money to you probably. Um, so I don't have a perfect answer for that. Um, but it can work. I mean, for me, if the e-com stuff, I just did, I, I reached out to, uh, my friend, uh, who's one of the owners of uh, Paleo Valley, because I'm still having a hard time getting people to hire me to do e-com stuff, to be completely blunt. Uh, I haven't tried that hard to do it, but like, uh, you know, I think people just sort of, maybe I'm charging a lot and e-com people aren't used to my fees. I don't know. But so I reached out to my you know, friend who owns Paleo Valley and was like, hey, you know what? Like, uh, I know you talked about this in the past. I'm going to do it for free. He sent me a couple of links. I'm going to go through it's on my list, break down stuff, give it to him, value. Because then I give it the case studies and the wins. Um, that helps, right? I have a couple of case studies already. And after that, I'll probably do it for another person. So I'll probably just do it for free for like a couple months, frankly. Um, but I'm going to do it when I want to. When I, for me, it's also like, I don't have to do it. I'm just interested in it kind of. So, um, you know, but again, if I do then want to become, if I want to position myself as like the e-com expert, the e-com optimization expert, you know, and I have a bunch of case studies and wins, like it becomes very easy for me to do that. Um, and so, you know, that's, that was my logic for why I'm, I'm doing some like kind of funnel audits for people for free, but they have to be clients who are, for me, it's like, you know, like big companies, you know, doing at least seven figures, if not eight figures. Um, I know they're going to like actually implement the stuff I tell them. 
I know they're going to implement it pretty rapidly. They have a good team in place, all that kind of stuff. So it's like, I'm not doing it for, you know, like uh, Susie and Tom who like, you know, it's like our first e-com store. We don't know anything. That doesn't do shit for me. Right. It has to be somebody who is going to really implement the stuff too. Sure. And it also goes back to something that I heard from Alex Catoni, which you also had on, on, on the podcast, right? She asked um, Seth Godin, what would, he, what would he do if he were a new copywriter, right? And he told, so I would get really specific on the service. Let's say, for example, you with the e-commerce, and then he would, I think, volunteer or write for free just to get the results, as you say. So it's pretty much the same model, and I think that you doing that teaches a lot on uh, doing providing value first, right? Uh, as a first step to any relationship. So thank you, Stefan. Yeah, absolutely, man. My pleasure. Thanks for the uh, thanks for the question. Thank you. Cool. All right. Next, we are gonna have. Um, uh, I see a question. By the way, if you guys can put your questions in the Q and A, that would be ideal. Connor, I see yours there. Uh, Eric Chan had a, a question, so we're gonna bring on Eric in a minute here. Um, not gonna lie, when it's just me and nobody else, I'm like, how do I, how do I kick uh, Max off from being uh, from sharing? Oh, there we go. How do I do here? Um, Disable talking. Okay, cool. Eric Chan had questions. We're gonna go to Eric next. Eric, what's up, man? Yo, what's up? Good, good, good. And you? Good, man. Doing good. Cool. Yeah. So, just for the context, like you know, when you're building a business, it's kind of like a path that you walk alone. I would say yeah. because people don't really understand what you're doing and why you're doing it. So yeah. So how do how to be alone without feeling the the loneliness in this path? So yeah. That's what the question. Yeah, it's a good question. I think, um, I mean, a couple of things. I mean, I think having like communities, like, you know, that's one of the reasons I'm, I'm such a big proponent of masterminds is because, you know, having, once I started going to them and, and meeting other entrepreneurs, um, suddenly it was like, I felt less alone. And even afterwards, when I stayed in touch with people and we'd get on, you know, at the time it was like Skype calls more often. We got on Skype calls, we'd catch up, we'd be texting each other. Um, you know, that, that really helped. I mean, I really think it's about finding a community of like-minded people who are, you know, endeavoring to do the same things you are. Um, and I think that helps. And I think that's something where, you know, the Facebooks of the world, um, can be beneficial and helpful, right? Like through the different, both free and paid communities, you know, it doesn't have to be that you go join like a, Fifteen thousand or fifty thousand dollar mastermind. Um, it can be you know a ninety seven dollar a month group, or maybe you know maybe it's a free group. Um, and then really actually reaching out to people and checking in. And I mean, and and you know you have to foster and nurture those relationships, which is something I'm not good at. I work at it, but I'm I'm not. I'm pretty bad at that. I think as an introvert and some social anxiety, um, you know, I struggle with that. But I mean, I do it. I'm kind of almost forced to do it as part of being like a quote unquote public figure. Right. Um, cause people reach out to me a lot and I'm always happy to hear from them. But, um, and then I think the third part of that is this is the toughest part and maybe not, I'm not saying this is easy or even potentially could be almost impossible, but, um, if you can try to like embrace the loneliness, um, that's cool too. The times where you are lonely, you have to, I, if you can reframe it again, easier said than done, but to think about, you know, I'm lonely because I'm doing something hard and I'm doing something that other people aren't doing. And I'm doing something that is, you know, hopefully, you know, going to make a difference in the world. And, um, and 
when when all these when everything comes together, you know, I know that I, I'll look back at this part and I'll actually have like cherish these memories and 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 almost maybe long for those times of loneliness because which is true because um you know once you have the things you're you're you're, you're searching for going back to freedom never being an ideal but anything like that you, you you won't be fully fulfilled but it'll be cool it'll be you know lots of things will be really good in your life probably but um then you almost you almost miss the struggle right you'll you'll miss you'll miss it um and you, it'll be this like special time in your life you'll think back of it as this like special time in your life where you know you felt lonely and you felt like you were you know you against the road and all that uh and you'll have like a fondness towards it and so if you think about that as it's happening, it can help to take the edge off of the loneliness. It doesn't mean that the loneliness goes away, um, but it can take an edge off of it too. I don't know mm. if those answers help or not, but that's those are the best I got. Yeah, I have a lot. Have a lot. Yeah, it's kind of like get used to the loneliness, like something like that. Yeah, that. And yeah. again, I mean, you know, the community aspect too, because you can you can cut down on the loneliness quite a bit. Um, but you know, in addition to that, yeah, what is there? And yeah, kind of. It, yeah and beyond getting used to it it's like almost embrace it like mm, okay almost feel like all right like cool i get to experience this it's almost like a blessing i get to experience this loneliness that that most people don't because they don't do exciting brave you know um adventurous things what i do mm -hmm. yeah okay all right cool man well good yeah, thank you yeah absolutely um I do see some more questions coming in here which is cool um, so I think Connor was next. Connor said, uh, well, actually, Connor, I'll bring you in and I'll let you ask the question here. We, um, so Connor, I'm going to, uh, like, let you talk and then, yeah, you want to share your question for everybody? Hey, Stephen, can you hear me? Yeah, I can. Perfect. Sorry about that. That's okay. Um, so I was wondering if you had any advice regarding, and especially in marketing, um, at like a middle sort of management level uh for us in the industry what do you recommend for um networking especially with things being so remote and still digital yeah yeah i mean i think that i, I would go back to sort of what i some of the answers I, I just gave to eric i mean i think that you know joining facebook groups um that are you know relevant to your industry and and your skill set and profession um and then actually posting right actively posting um, sharing stories and, you know, lessons learned, wins. I mean, I think, you know, the best thing is like sort of, hey, we had a really cool win. Here's what it was, right? That kind of stuff. And, and not, no solicitation. You're not trying to be like, you know, and hire us or buy our product or whatever, but it's just like giving value. That's like true value and actually valuable, um, you know, through various Facebook groups. Um, I think it's a really, you know, good one. I mean, there's like um, the Justin and Stefan talk copy. There's uh, direct marketing partners, which Debron runs, there's um, nothing held back, which is like a Facebook group that's been really popular lately, um, you know, and various other ones. So I think that's, that's one aspect of it. And then, you know, things have been remote, but there is more, there's a lot of events. And my, my, I'm basically back to as busy for travel schedule as I was pre COVID. And um, I think that, you know, so going to different, different events and things like that, you know, I think obviously masterminds are great. And again, I'm all about that. But like, even if, if that's you know not a thing right now, then it's like um, they're doing affiliate summit east in New York, and there's going to be I'm sure thousands of people there. Trafficking conversion is 
doing their event at the end of September or middle of September. We're doing our next Copy Accelerator event uh, at the end of August, beginning of September. Uh, you know, there's internet marketing party in Austin, which I'm the speaker at uh, next Thursday, which is like $37. So, um, you know, I think it's, yes, yeah, it's, it's really just like going to events and then, you know, Facebook groups that are relevant and, um, and then they yeah, actually posting value and replying to people commenting. I mean, really, they're really the fundamental stuff, but it really does make a huge difference. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely, Connor. Thanks for the question. Cool. So, um, Patrick Chan was next. Um, we bring on Patrick for his question. What's up, Patrick? Hey, Stefan. How you doing? Good, good. I've uh, been following you for a while. Love RMBC and all. Did some gig, got some gigs with it too. Awesome. Yeah. So uh, I want to know because I've always been someone who, um, I mean, I really admire that you really put the time and effort to create communities and all that. And um, it's something that I personally know I'm actually not a big fan of. Um, not because I don't care about people, but it's just because um, I can get very intense. So for me, I'd, it's rather that I'd rather, for lack of a better term, I don't know how else to say, but it's like I'd rather not put the effort into caring so much. Sure. And, so um, uh, one of the things that I do want to do is eventually go from copywriting and like you said, go into product um, owner. And one of the things that I want to explore was like you said, the supplement industry. So I've been curious to know uh, since you started one or currently have one, how did you divide up your budget when you first started? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I've kind of broken this down before, but this is all ballpark numbers. I mean, I, I think, I mean, do you, do you have a budget, for example, in your head, like something you could put into it? Or are you kind of curious what the budget might look like as well? I remember you saying you started, like it's possible to start with 5,000, but I'm willing to put 10,000 in okay. the future. And your, you know, your copy is at a pretty high level, right? I mean, not like necessarily A-list, but you feel, you, you could write your own copy and feel good about it, right? Yeah, I feel like I could do it. And if not, well, I mean, I'm, surrounded by people who are very talented who can give me feedback but yeah i feel like i can do it cool yeah and i think about it from a budget perspective too because copy is one of the big expenses really i mean you know again i think if you are going to white label something to start then it's basically like zero expenses on the inventory side to begin right because you're only selling once you're shipping so that's what's great about the on-demand model um mm -hmm. you know over time you you, you may want to move to like you know custom formulation that you you know, have there's better science behind it, all that kind of stuff. But to launch at least, you know, custom formulation on demand, there's a basically zero cost there. Um, so really your cost would be the, you know, funnel, like development, you know, creation or whatever. And um, then like the, like traffic is really kind of it in a way, right? So it's like, okay, mm -hmm. you create the copy, you know, you can do a text sales letter to start, um, you know, the design, you, you could do yourself and like, you know, some of those platforms out there, but like having a, a good designer is probably worthwhile. I mean, I think yeah. it's worth investing $3,000, let's say three mm -hmm. you know, thousand into that. Mm -hmm. um, then there's usually gonna be some tech and integrations and things depending on where you do it. Um, mm -hmm. So I'd probably budget like a couple thousand bucks for that. Um, you know, there's, if you're gonna do, I mean, depending on where you're getting processing, if you're doing uh, like, ClickBank, then you don't have to worry about it if you're going to use Stripe, but I would be careful using Stripe unless 
you know, you feel like you're really super, 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 super white hat, like not even like ethics aside, right? Like let's assume you're gonna be ethical, but it still has to just be like, just so, you know, stripe sketchy side, but you know, if you use like a, a like, um, like Digistore or ClickBank or something like that for the processing, mm -hmm. um, then there's really no cost there. Um, and then really be like traffic. I mean, the big thing for me would be like, if you're able to use your network to have people, uh, you know, send like kind of to their email list, then the traffic's pretty much free. Um, you know, uh, you're just paying them a CPA. Customer service, I mean, you can start with just having like a support email that you answer, um, you know, so you don't need to pay for a call center to start. Um, like insurance, stuff like that, you'll, you'll want that. But if you go through a place like ClickBank or um, and you use a, a third-party on-demand company, like generally you can be covered under their insurance to start. So you don't need insurance. Um, so honestly, I mean, man, that's where I go back to like, like $5,000 to start. Like, I just think, cause again, copy is a big expense, but you can write your own copy. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah. And then otherwise, if you have 10,000, I mean, like I would put the other 5,000 into acquiring customers potentially. <laughs> second, my dog's freaking out. It's like, <laughs> Sorry about that guys. Um, it's all good. Yeah, but um, yeah, I mean, I feel like uh, that's, yeah, I don't know. I mean, if you could, you could like buying email list drops is something like I, like I don't really think is like a worthwhile thing for the most part these days. No, I don't think so either. Um, I'd rather be buying some media on Facebook or native or YouTube or like, or again, you go to some people who have email lists and you're like, Hey, I'm going to guarantee, you know, depending on the size of the list, right. I'll guarantee uh, 50 sales at a, um, you know, like whatever CPA that you could afford. Right. I mean, mm -hmm. our 20 sales at like a hundred dollars CPA, um, which is like $2,000. But like, if you think that, you know, if their list is like $2,000 is like, you know, reasonable enough for them. And there's still the upside of like, obviously I hope it's going to do way more than that. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I think that's a model where you get people to test and you can alleviate some of their risk and get data. But your biggest thing once you launch is really just getting like the data. Um, mm -hmm. You know, more than anything, that's what you want. You want the data because then you know. Because once you have data, if your, uh, you know, company and your funnels are doing really well and converting at a high rate, then at that point, it becomes very easy to go and get, uh, you know, like way more people to, to send traffic and affiliates. And you can, you know, get an agency if you want to work with an agency or you can buy your own media, all that kind of stuff. Oh, wow. Okay, cool. Yeah, because um, I do, well, yeah, I do email marketing now for a company and also um, I have, I also have a computer science background. So like just setting up the site, I think I can do that myself, but eventually, yeah, I'll just hire someone to do that. Cool. Sweet. Yeah. You know, I guess one other thing would be maybe like an affiliate tracking platform, but again, if you do it on ClickBank, then they track for you. Um, but you may end up doing something like, um, uh, Hyros or, um, I'm blanking, but one of those, one of those like kind of like platforms that tracks your sales and stuff like that for you. And that might cost you, to start like a couple hundred bucks a month. This is one expense that would be a worthwhile expense out the, out the gate, just so you're tracking data and make sure that whatever, so you say you're using ClickBank or mm -hmm. um, kind of like you wanna make sure, you'd like to know that their data is like matching the data. Like it's nice to have like a third party kind of system that's, that's tracking it as well. Mm -hmm. But yeah. Cool, thank you. Yeah, my pleasure, man. Awesome, so uh, that was just about it. We're going to keep it easy today. Um, again, you know, see if we can reschedule with um, my guest uh, for another time. But beyond that, 
I'm going to go do stuff and uh, go live my life basically. But thank you for joining me. Thanks for hanging out. Hopefully those who did join found this to be a valuable um, episode as always. It's kind of funny because I was kind of thinking to myself, man, I'm, I really want to do an episode where I answer questions. It's been a while. Um, so it kind of worked out from that perspective. Uh, but we'll be back uh, next Monday with CoffeeZilla at a special time, 11 a.m. Pacific time on Monday. And I think that that's going to be a um, very highly attended and pretty crazy episode. So I am really excited. Um, Max, I see I'm trying to sneak in a question into the chat, but um, you're kind of too late. So, all right. Thank you, everybody. Hope you all have a great day. All right. That's just about it for today. Before we finish, though, let me share a little bit more about how you can stay in touch with me. I have a private email list where I share high-level tricks, strategies, and insights about copywriting, entrepreneurship, mindset, and more. In fact, often my podcasts are based on topics I first emailed out to my list weeks or even months earlier. So if you want to get brand new stuff from me every single day, go to stephanpaulgeorgi.com forward slash subscribe. These emails are often upwards of a thousand words, and I send them every day. So make sure you really can commit to engaging with me on that level. But as long as you can, and you should, because I do drop a ton of value in these emails, go apply to join my list today. And again, the web address is stephanpaulgeorgi.com forward slash subscribe. And in case you don't know how to spell my name, which is okay, it is S-T-E-F-A-N, Paul, and then my last name is georgi, G-E-O-R-G-I.com. So stephanpaulgeorgi.com forward slash subscribe, and I will see you in my email list.